Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. The FBI apparently has released, or not on purpose, somebody leaked it. They leaked it. Uh, What is uh, labeled as for internal use only, although it is unclassified, law enforcement sensitive. Well, it got out, and it's a document that uh, Project Veritas apparently released. And there's been some news coverage about this. What they're showing is what they're calling domestic terrorism symbols. Or, Ooh, symbols. Watch out yeah. for those. Or what it maybe might be considered domestic terrorism. They do point out here in their summary that uh, the use or sharing of these symbols alone should not independently be considered evidence of MVE presence. And that stands for militant, violent extremists. Militant, violent. Like, isn't that redundant? If you're militant, yeah. doesn't that make you violent? Well, maybe militant. I don't know. Does militant mean you're organized? What is? Mm, what would be the difference a, between those two? That's a great question. If only there were a device. Or affiliation could... or serve as an indicator of illegal activity as many individuals use these symbols for their original historic meaning or other nonviolent purposes. The supermajority of activists that use these symbols are peaceful activists. That yep. is absolutely true. And, the, and, the, and that's borne out by the fact that a bunch of them aren't getting arrested for stuff, right? Like they're they've been trying for years to infiltrate this movement. And when I say this movement, I don't mean anarcho-capitalism or right. whatever, because I don't consider myself one of those. I, I believe in free markets. I believe in freedom. I'm a I'm a liberty-minded person. I'm a voluntarist. I believe all human interaction should be consensual. But a, a lot of my friends would would utilize that particular term. I certainly came through the the mm-hmm. ANCAP avenue. There was a point in time where I was like, no, anarcho-capitalism. That's where it's at, man. You know, and like. I I wouldn't say that I no longer believe that because I do. It's just that my personal philosophies have expanded beyond that. Yeah. So it includes, I guess, the philosophies that most people who call themselves ANCAPs have. And I still use the yellow and black uh, colorings just specifically for that purpose. But, uh, you know, I think that my growth has, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of expanded beyond just that particular bit. Agreed. Yeah, you have to also be a good person on top of you know understanding non-aggression. But the point I was making is they've been trying to infiltrate this movement, and I suspect have to yeah. some extent. We don't know to what extent, but we know they tried to get our co-host Nobody back when his name was Rich Paul, and they arrested him for selling weed here in Keene, New Hampshire. They did that. The local police made the arrest, but it was done at the behest of the FBI. They have different imagery, symbols that they want their agents to be aware of, including the anarcho-capitalist flag, which uh, I'll just go ahead and read the description they included here. It says, an ideology held by some MVEs. Now, again, MVE stands for Militia Violent Extremists. They made up an acronym for it. Advocating the state be eliminated or minimized and then public services be provided by private companies competing in a free market. (gasps) The horror. (laughs) How extreme is that? Represented by a black and yellow flag. And then they show the the two triangles inside a flag. Basically, one is uh, golden or or yellow. The other is black. Uh, They also have others like the Boogaloo Boys on here. uh, The Punisher Skull. And Molan Labe, they'll come and take it with, like, the gun barrel on it. There's a Second Amendment. Uh, yeah, they have a bit here in this article I have from the Post Millennial. It says, included in these symbols is 2A, 
with the FBI saying that MVEs justify their existence with the Second Amendment due to their mention of a well-regulated militia, as well as the right to bear arms. Yeah, you can tell they wish that wasn't there, right? (laughs) And then it says, warrior culture, military themes, both historical and contemporary, with the examples of Spartans and Valhalla and Molan Labe. The FBI lists a number of common phrases uh, used by militia violent extremists, which includes... When tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Nothing violent about that. Mm -hmm. Well-regulated American militia and I will not comply. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's on the backside. I didn't even look at that one. The document also lists a number of people. They say militia violent extremists have deemed as martyrs, which includes Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by police inside the Capitol building on January 6th, as well as Vicki Weaver who was shot and killed by the FBI during the siege of Ruby Ridge in 1992, as well as Marvin Hemeyer, made famous during the famous, infamous 2004 Killdozer incident. No, don't forget Duncan Lemp, who Duncan was shot Lemp. to death in his home by the police for no, no reason whatsoever. This is the paragraph... While sleeping, if I recall correctly. This is the paragraph that gets me. Uh, the FBI also lists off a number of these militia violent extremists, including the Three Percenters and Oath Keepers. Uh, they list a few more uh, events like the Waco siege in 93, as well as people like Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh. Now, I, the Oath Keepers, near as I can tell, are folks who went into a, a government position. Yeah, usually military or law enforcement or something. Took an oath to uphold the Constitution. F-A-F-O is uh, F around it. Find out. That is what F-A-F-O stands for. Thanks, Uh, man. However, that wasn't the acronym being used here. This is uh, F-O-U-O, which stands for for official use only in the case of this document. Oh, Oh, never mind. Um, So you said the Punisher skulls on there? (laughs) Yeah, which you see on a lot of cop cars or a a lot of cop, like, you know, they're private vehicles. Uh, It says Punisher skull. And SEAL Team 3. And what? SEAL Team 3. Uh, several variations of skulls used by three percenters and Molan Labe, etc. That's all they give you with the Punisher skull info. <laughs> I must be a like extreme extremist because uh, you know my metal bands always use skulls, particularly mm-hmm. winged skulls. For some reason, we just thought they were cool. That's pretty cool. Were they flaming winged skulls or just winged skulls? Well, you know, yeah, we had flames. a limited budget, so uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can have the flames, you should go. With the I, actually, the uh, I think they they're based out of New York. Uh, Overkill was one of the first metal bands to use the skull with just wings on it. What else, Stephen? Um, I just find it hilarious how many um, veteran organizations and how many different. Um, Peace is never extreme. The innocent life that suffers underneath this, you know, these bombs being dropped, nuclear style weaponry, basically, uh, atomic weaponry that wiped out mostly innocent life. I'm sorry, just because uh, there are people who live in a country, a plot of land on a map that is run by psychopaths, and they all are, okay, just so you know, the people in the United States government, the Russian government, the North Korean government, the Japanese government, you name it, today, they're all psychopaths, they're, they're sick people, and they have no problem destroying innocent life if it gets them to whatever political goal that they have. Or even just gets them reelected. 
Like, sure. At, you know, that's if they think like, it'll yeah. work, they'll do it. They don't care. Uh, it's all about them. Can you imagine sitting in your political office and going, hmm, well, I guess if I'm going to get reelected, I, I better drop some bombs. Need to start a war. Get I better, the people better get, start murdering right. some people. So, you know, of these people that supported the Hiroshima and Nagasaki that today still support that, even with all the horrific photos and all the evidence that we have of yeah. the, the destruction. People who weren't even alive at the yeah. time are like, you know, not that I was, of course, but, you know. Are these the same people who uh, also want to see Russia bombed to the Stone Age? Because, well, they invaded Ukraine, and they means, of course, in reality, the people calling themselves the Russian military. The people of Russia didn't invade. So I just heard before he went to me that we shouldn't have gotten involved in the first place, meaning yeah. we shouldn't have entered into the Second World War. Or the first. Or Vietnam, okay. or Korea, yeah. or, you know, the Middle East, any well, of the Middle East. Don't you agree? I mean, that's what the Founding Fathers were saying. Uh, that's No, that's incorrect. That's not what they were saying. Oh, yeah, no, they were saying, uh, think, uh, let's not have entangling alliances with uh, with people. That's uh, absolutely what they were saying. Take a, take, no, that's not what they were saying. And In fact, we detangled from England because of the usurpations of our of our rights. I mean, you're, you're, you're changing the topic here. Your premise was, you know, 100 Well, no, I mean, you're, 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 you can get to your point here, but I'm sorry. Thomas Jefferson is, is quoted with saying, peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. So, I mean, while okay, there may be so some you, founding fathers that wanted to go fight wars all over the world, that's not what's commonly known. Okay, let, so, so let's get back to common sense okay, here. Okay, so you just pressed that is, one by. Go right ahead. Go with your so, common so sense. Your premise is, we're all going to hold hands and sing kumbaya because war is bad and there's never going to be war. Is that, is that no, no, no. Why don't you go to war if that's what you want to do? If you want to go fight for France or you want to go fight for Ukraine or for Russia so you, so you or whoever war, you want so to go fight for, you go. I was born here. I assume you were born here. And therefore, we were conveyed the rights of citizenship under the mm. Constitution. You want, do you want to get into the tertiary arguments? And get off the That's point certainly of, what they teach like, you in government school, but you clearly don't know what the definition of a citizen is. Otherwise, you would just spit it out. Okay, so keep insulting your caller. So let's get. That's back not to an insult. Let, it's okay to, to just admit you don't of, know something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think less of you because you don't know the definition of citizen. I, I didn't tell, know it. I could tell you what it is, but you know, we want to see if you know. It's clear that you, you don't. Do you, huh? how, how about we argue over the definition of what recession is? You We're not arguing. We're not arguing, dude. I asked you a question, and you're not answering it. Do you want me to tell you what you the definition is? You can look it up in any dictionary. Me, you asked me a ridiculous tertiary question. No, it's not tertiary. You brought it up. You brought up citizenship. You accused me of being a citizen, and I said, not, a, not only am I not one, you're not one either. But you think you are, because that's what, what the government's taught you your whole life, and you believed it. This is why people have problems with your, with your broadcast. I don't care you what people have a problem with, dude. You asked a question about Truman... And was, whether he was right or whether he was... I didn't even mention Truman. Him. Excuse me? I didn't mention Truman. Yeah, nobody has mentioned the word Truman until he did point. just now. Oh, so, so Truman didn't make the decision to drop the bomb on Hiroshima? We were talking about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We didn't talk about the politicians you specifically. Said, you said we as a country dropped the bomb, and I said, no, we didn't drop anything. And then Ian said the politicians made that decision. There's a bunch of people that believe... Because they've been told their whole lives by government agencies, by government schools, by mainstream media, 
it's all over the place. It's constantly pounded into you. You have to you have to check boxes on forms that constantly say that you're a U.S. citizen. So yep. everybody believes it. But what if it just weren't true? Well, all you have to do is look at the definition of a citizen. And, you know, to some extent, he's right that there are, quote unquote, different definitions out there. Sure. But the most common definition from what I've seen, you go to dictionary.com. Because we already read it from uh, Merriam-Webster, yep. probably the most recognized di- dictionary out there in the English language. Uh, but here's dictionary.com, a native or naturalized member of a state or nation who owes allegiance to its government and is entitled to its protection. Okay, it's pretty clear. Someone who owes allegiance to a specific government and that government has some sort of obligation to protect that person in return for that trade. Right. right? Because if if... That trade, let's say, was was broken by one side saying, the government in this case, saying, nah, we don't really need to protect you. Oh, okay, well, then why would I have any allegiance to you in the first place? Presuming there really was an agreement, and there wasn't, right? Unless you were actually naturalized, unless you actually did immigrate into the United States, where they actually did ask you a bunch of questions, you had to sign a form, and you had to swear an oath. And the average person in the U.S. that was born here, they didn't go through that. GB uh, Bank employee, 18-year-old Akito Takakura is among of those who were spared. She stepped into work just moments before the work her workplace exploded at 8.15, stopping the bank's clock at precisely at that time. When I was doing my morning routine, she said, the dusting of the desk and things like that, the A-bomb was dropped. All I remember is I saw something flash suddenly. Though the bank is just 300 yards from the center of the bomb blast, it stone walls and armored window coverings provide a perfect protection. Just on the other side of those walls, on the steps leading into the bank, Akiko would have been instantly turned into a carbon lump. Wow. Momentarily knocked unconscious from the blast, Akiko wakes up a short time later and staggers into the street to the scene of profound horror. Many people on the streets were killed almost instantly. The fingertips of those dead bodies caught fire, and a fire gradually spread all over the entire bodies from their fingers. A light gray liquid dripped down from their hands, scorching their fingers. I was so shocked to know that fingers and bodies could be burned and deformed like that. Mm. Akiko wandered through the city in a daze. Her progress slowed by the countless dead bodies. She carefully steps over. She makes her way to a former military garrison where bare-chested soldiers were performing their morning calisthenics just hours ago. Real quick, I just want because we were talking about war and we're talking about, you know, how to bring about the end of war. Well... A good start, of course, would be the separation of money and state. I That'd be that a great would, start. I think that would go a very long way to ending war. Because, I mean, it's kind of like, at some point, everybody thought it was ridiculous to separate church and state, right? And then mm-hmm. somehow the idea caught on, and everybody's like, yeah, that's totally what we should do. We should separate church and state. And then that happened, and then guess what? And churches had much less influence over political situations. The same thing can be accomplished by separating money and state. Instead, You're not going to let it go easy, no, though. No, of course not. And that is one of my fears, of course, is that as the economy uh, in the United States continues to decline, the value of the dollar goes down and down and down, inflation goes up and up and up, the price of everything is extraordinary these days and shows no signs of slowing down, that at some point, if you look back at history, particularly the United States history, the only way that politicians get the country, quote unquote, out of these economic turmoils 
is by going to war. War is the health of the states. Medley Butler, I believe. Several weeks ago, I called and posed a question, why are American troops located now in Somalia? And Richie Rich gave a wonderful answer. And lo and behold, last night on the BBC, they echoed what he said to me many weeks ago. And what was that? I, I wasn't States here for it. doesn't want Russia or China to come in and control the Red Sea that empties into the Indian Ocean for trade purposes and oil mm. tankers. And lastly, very much appreciate what both you gentlemen said about citizenship, because I'm thinking, what better example than when President Roosevelt rounded up the troops and state and local troops cooperated, or we should say maybe collaborated, against Japanese American citizens. Oh, yeah, that's and true. Their property, their businesses, their homes, their cars, their money in the banks were confiscated and they were put in internment camps. How were they protected when they gave allegiance? Yep, great point. Excellent right? point. Yeah, and didn't they also round up some Germans too? I know they don't usually get talked about, but there was it yes. wasn't just Japanese they were rounding up, yes, right? Sir. Yeah. German American citizens. War is good money, and it's not just for the U.S. It's not good I money. You're earning it through depot. evil, number one. Well, I, I work for an army depot, and I work for a company, and that company actually worked for BAE, which is British Aeronautics and Electronics. They build mm -hmm. a lot of the heavy-duty six-wheel drive vehicles. I work for the MRAP program during the Iraq War. So it actually helps, I know for a fact, both our economy and the U.K., because they invest money into our uh, like weapons. Well, you understand that money stuff. was stolen, right? What? No, no. Both, both yeah, countries yeah. dump money into no, it. No, no, no. It's stolen money. What do you mean by stolen? What do you think taxes are, dude? Oh, I absolutely agree there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Right. absolutely. So, then, so then wouldn't you agree that people would be better off economically if they didn't have their money stolen from them and they could buy whatever it is they wanted or invest in what they wanted or start a business uh, that they wanted to start rather than sending it oh, to go blow up in agree. bombs overseas? But, oh, I absolutely agree. 100%. Okay. The hard part is who would run uh, – I mean, you look at the cities. They have people running them. Chicago, if there was nobody to guide them, would there – I mean, what would happen? L.A., Baltimore, I mean – have you Without been to these places? I mean, I haven't been to all of them, but I understand they're pretty horrible. I've I've been to oh, most absolutely. major cities in the U.S. and they are horrible. Yeah, I mean, oh, how I how's that too. guiding I've going been along? All over the country with the military, oh, they're absolutely wretched anymore. When I you mean, say that the Mexican government is ineffective, what are you comparing them to regarding the United States? What are you saying they're more effective or less? If what are, what is the U.S. government more effective at specifically than the Mexican government? Just I'm just trying to clarify what you're saying. In regards to at least we don't have the cartel problems in the U.S. that they have. Yes, we do. But the overall, problems I mean, aren't so much with the cartel as far as, like, the, the cartels generally, as I understand it. And Jason Henza's in, uh, in the chat room tonight. He's, he's living in Mexico right now, so if he wants to weigh in, I'd, I'd be happy to hear from him. Uh, but the cartels, as I understand it, tend to target other cartels. You generally, unless it's, like, in the crossfire, you generally don't see innocent people getting snatched up 
and killed by the cartels in Mexico. And further, we have a cartel in the United States. It's called the federal government, and they're, buddy, they're buddies in business. So just because they're less overt with how they're ruling over people and extracting money from them and using violence against them because they've they've dressed it up with this window dressing. Oh, well, if you if you get a ticket, you can just take it to court. Whereas, you know, in Mexico, you can just give them 20 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever it is, it'll make them go away. In some cases, that will work for you down right. there. If you try that here, it will generally not work for you and you'll end up with a, you know, trying to bribe the cop charge on on top of whatever other charge you were already facing. One of the cartels we didn't mention, of course, is the banking cartel. In the United States. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure well, they have one in Mexico, too. They, it's sort of a global cartel. Yeah. Central uh, banking, anyway. Jason Henza is in the, the, uh, the chat tonight in our YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, he's, our, he's the closest thing to an expert that we have, because yep. he's actually spent some number of years of his life uh, living in Mexico as a, I don't know if expatriate is the right word, but he's, he's been down there for some time. He did come back to the U.S. Uh, as well, so he's kind of been back and forth. But I'd ask the question, you know, hey, anybody out there want to comment on this this statement? And he says the cartels in the U.S. just work differently than Mexico, but both countries have both. And he says the U.S. has a very easy time convincing the people to indenture future generations. And in Mexico, the people are likely to drag politicians through the streets if they think the government is too corrupt. You know, I mean, I don't advocate violence in any way, shape or form. Mm hmm. But there's something to be said for that. <laughs> I don't blame somebody for feeling strongly and wanting to take action. At, at least uh, at least in Mexico, it. they recognize politicians for the dirtbags that they are. In Mexico, at these taquerias, they have on every table, there's like this little four bowl contraption that you can sort of rotate around. And one bowl's got like uh, red salsa. The other bowl's got green salsa. One bowl might have, I don't know, onions in it. And the other bowl's got pico de gallo, right? Okay. So there's like four different things there. And they're just there all the time. So when you sit down at the table, you're using the last, you know, whatever the last people were using. Like, oh. it's just there. They don't, as far as I know, they don't change it out between different people that come to the table. I'm huh. saying that would never fly in the United States because, oh, sanitation, right, right. And blah, blah, blah. And you know what? No one cares. It's like, whatever. Just give me the damn salsa. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, to the extent of, like, regulation for, like, I don't know, the sandwich business I outlined, like... There probably is some sort of regulatory thing, you know, in Mexico or Chile or Vietnam or whatever. But the difference is, like, you can just start your business and eventually, like, somebody comes around and is like, hey, uh, you know, do you got a license or something? And you're like, oh, I didn't know. And they go, oh, okay, well, you know, it's 20 bucks or whatever. And you're like, oh, can you forgive me? And then, like, it's you're still mm -hmm. in business. You're like, you can just do that. You know, you can't don't do that in the U.S. So. Can't do that in the U.S. No, uh-uh. You're calling us uh, from Mexico, where you are currently stationed. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, I was just calling to refute the caller about the uh, uh, about uh, cartels running Mexico and uh, the United States being better because they're indenturing future generations uh, for safety, basically. And, um, yeah, I was just like... Mexico is not that bad. It's not that dangerous. I live here every day. Uh, my entire street, I'm looking up and down. There isn't a building front that doesn't have a business that's occupied. And as a matter of fact, there's one, two, three, four, five, six kiosks in the streets right now where people are just 
kind of opened up their business without permission and just started it and away they go and they just do commerce all day long. Touchdown freedom. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so that's your understanding as far as, you know, if somebody wants to go out and uh, sell fruit, fresh fruit on the streets or make tacos or whatever, that there's not, you know, some government bureaucracy that's going to be breathing down their neck about permits and health codes and all that nonsense? Yeah, it, it's pretty rare. It depends on the area. Sometimes uh, you do have cartels that control certain areas where they don't want you to cross certain lines that they've given permission to other people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Wisconsin, and they have different, or at least had, I don't know what the state is currently, but I used to be able to grab a cooler full of beer with my bros and, and a dog and go play Frisbee or chuck the football and you know just kind of drink some beers and hang out in the park. But uh, that doesn't seem possible here in the United States. Is that possible in Mexico? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I've, I've seen you know 14-year-olds go down to the store and buy some beer and crack it up and walk down the street. It's it's pretty common. Uh, you know, no one really cares about the, that kind of a trade here. They don't try to control the population as strictly as they do in the U.S. Um, uh, a lot of these people in the U.S., they, they crave safety, and uh, it, it's really restrictive. And as you can tell, like, what are they, like, six to eight generations out of they have to pay off the debt that they're acquiring now? Right, yeah. Are there well, any um, crazy. are there any COVID ma- mask mandates in place in Puerto Vallarta? Is that stuff still going on? Was it going on? How long have you been there? That was going on pretty late, surprisingly. Uh, there was a big push by Canadian tourists to keep the vaccine mandates, uh, the mask mandates. And um, as a matter of fact, they, they basically ran a local uh, local business out because they tried to implement a a vaccine passport for their business here. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.